That's a Shame is brought to you by the people who support us over at patreon.com slash shamecity. If you have a dollar, two dollars, a dollar to spare, join us again at patreon.com slash shamecity, please. Go. I've fucked, haven't I? Do it again. Hello and welcome to another brand new free episode of (gasps) That's a Shame. My Mm. name is Declan. Opposite me in the Mm. cyber kind of fashion that we've become so used to, um, it's Isaac. Hi, how's it going? I'm Isaac. Very cool. Is that... So, as in the podcast That's is very what cool. I go by. You... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a yeah, it's a long, long. A little status that you pop on the end there, mm-hmm. just in case anyone was worried. Feeling fine. I'm glad that you're here, Isaac. I'm Thanks glad so that much. you're here. Because, well, I normally am. It, well, yeah, exactly. And it would feel strange um, doing this podcast without you. Yeah, well, frankly. you wouldn't be able to publish it. So I wouldn't just know talking what to, your to do. I would be talking to a computer and then just probably doing a tweet saying. Hey guys, it was all good. (laughs) Um, But also because I have been sat in my room for the last, honestly, like five hours. Goodness. (laughs) Like making today's content. And it's such a beautiful day as well, isn't it? So you've foregone like... It's been really, it's been really nice. But what I've done is I've, I've had my blinds open for the first time that I, since I've owned them. You're getting that D, as you like uh, to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am. I got them in like October. Uh Uh-huh. Just after we moved in. I say just after. It was a, it was about a month after we moved in. <laughs> well, did you have no blinds before? Yeah, there was no blinds. So it was just was no light. First of all, there was no bed in the room. That's too much, D. So I didn't... I was sleeping in the... I was sleeping in the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a bed, but I had like a bookcase and then a frame kind of like blocking the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of it anyway. Um, and like in a, like blinds. in a vampire movie, or like Will Smith, exactly in that one where he's a le- where he's a legend. You know that one? Yeah, well, that he was sort of vampires as well, wasn't it? It was like are they vampires? Sort yeah, of. I, like, I think are. they are. I think they're supposed to they're be pandemic the vampires anyway. or something, aren't they? Yeah, but then um, yeah, when oh, I, I finally got them dog. installed, it was at that kind of time of darkness where when mm. I got up for work, it was dark, and when I got home from work, it was dark. So oh, there really was no need to have them open ever. Yeah, that's yes, yes, yes. So now, thanks to God's great. Clocks going forward, yeah. There's which people are light. furious about once again. I, he, I forget every year how, like, <laughs> the I Peter was, Hitchens army. I googled about a week ago to find out when the clocks changed, and, and mm-hmm. the, I think I accidentally pressed like my Reddit. I have like a setup for like Reddit search engine when yeah. I need to check on Nerd Thigh Strangler, and it gave me the answer in a thread. But the person, it was like one person on Ask UK was like, when do the clocks change? And the top comment was like, first of all, we need to be signing petitions to stop this <laughs> mockery every year. But it's the 27th. <laughs> so Bury- angry. Burying the info underneath yeah. the, the plea but so look, that they're forced to read it. Let me sit you down. I don't think you appreciate how loaded that question actually is. All right? Why do the clocks have to change? Who's doing it? Like like a little paywall. Yeah. Sad. Which I'm familiar with because I, I've had to get around a, a couple today. Oh, yeah. So you've been knee deep in research. You've been diving down the fleshy canal of research. I've got, Isaac, I've got hyperlinked citations. Me. Imagine MLA. Uh, oh, you better believe it, boy. Yes. We're not that fucking Oxford nonces, are we? Harvard, like, get out. Um, so, yeah. So I've been, I've been researching all day and I have been, uh, like I say, doing so for about five hours and mm-hmm. I have been weeping to myself in this room because i i thought that this would be like a quick little thing that we could look into and then each new stone i on i overturned Mm, full of wood it turned out there was all sorts of hilarious we don't use that you can say consequences i cannot say that word (laughs) i legally cannot say that word lest i lose my job it's the word of this new season of task season three it's you should not be proud to say that no that's bad that is bad publicity um yeah, and it just it kind of got weirder and weirder. And it was a story with which I was kind of vaguely familiar. And right. I think you certainly will be vaguely familiar. Okay. And many of the listeners will be familiar. But have you but found a new angle? You found, you've found you gone not deeper a new than angle. anyone before. I think it's just that nobody quite knew how fucking mad this story was. Okay. And specifically, just like how 
how funny it, literally every person who is involved in this story uh-huh. comes across. Well, look, whether they mean to or not, edging us silly with your with your consequences. Is it time that we unhinge our jaws and chow down? Get to it the is. core of the clump. It is because it's a Isaac. It's a generation defining story. Uh-huh. Not not in terms of like impact, but I think in terms of delineation. Mm-hmm. In that, if you say these words to someone that I'm about to say to you, if they are were born like around you or me times, oh yeah, even though you know that's not quite the same. You're quite a bit older than me. I'm sort of like mid uh, mid nineties, uh, <laughs> <laughs> early to mid. Yeah. Um, then they know exactly what it is. And if you speak to somebody and you say these words, someone born even just three or four years after, they do not even know. Even just a couple of minutes. About. It's yeah, really, it's it's frightening. It also, it also is, I think, the most British story ever, ever to have occurred. And it is, of course, I'll tease no longer, the story of John Darwin, the canoe man. Oh, John Darwin, the canoe man. Yes. Okay. Okay. This does ring a bell. So I've divided this up because it is a it's a saga, right? Uh-huh. It's a saga into chapters. Okay. And we're calling chapter one the background. Right. All right. Now, largely there isn't loads of background. It's a it's a gracefully chapter. brief chapter. Yeah. Um he seems by all accounts to have had a largely unremarkable childhood. Mm-hmm. He went to school, like you and me. Like he so, went to, as so many do. He had a mother and father. That's a line from Wicked. He went to he went to sixth form. Like you and me. King. No standout events to speak of. He married his wife, Anne, in 1973. That's that's fortunate. Just a few days before Christmas. And then begins what can only be described as one of the most British set of careers you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. So I want to pause to play a small game here called Guess the Profesh. Okay. Now he had, let's count them, one, two, three, and then I'm going to say four careers. Right. That's a in that's his greedy, lifetime. Greedy John, I know, I and you'd think you'd think Good that like job guzzling John, step aside, let someone else have a turn. Yeah, um, and I'm going to say that they are extremely British careers that he's had all of them. Okay, I'm going to give you five guesses to get as many of them as you can. Mm, okay. Um, I don't have a good, I need to sort of calibrate my guessing, right? So I'm going to throw mm-hmm. out like civil servant. That's kind of close. Okay. One of his jobs was working for kind of a, a wing of a government, um, like unit. Was he like a TV license guy? Did no, drive but that, around in a big canoe, that, <laughs> threatening people <laughs> on the waters for watching CBBS. That's kind of, it's not it, but he was sort of close. He was a, if anything, a more realistic, um, and meaningful version of that in that he was a prison officer. That oh, was right, one okay. of the things yeah. that he did. That's, so that's one that's of them. Fair. Um, okay. So prison officer, um, was he a, like, did, did he have a trade? Did he get into the trades at any point? Uh, like a kind of like a physical like trade. An electrician, like a bricklayer. He didn't get into those. No. Gymnast. <laughs> the, the, those three boys going hand player? in hand. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was a professional Hearthstone player. Pro- professional Tetris player. Um, let me think, let me think. Did he have anything to do with the woods? He had nothing to do with the woods. Nothing out in nature. Was he on the bins? Oh, no, he wasn't on the bins. Okay. He wasn't on the bins. Oh. I, that is a very British profession, though. I think you've got to think, you've got to think, he thinks of himself as a bit above the working class, right? Right, okay, he, So fair. sort of more middle class British professions. Uh, things like accountant he was a financial advisor okay. <laughs> yep that often just means he worked in a bank right That's, yeah he worked I feel like Barclays. if you work in a bank they just say you're a financial advisor when yeah, the advice you're giving Barclays. is like the bank is open <laughs> at nine o'clock <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I could with that you thanks. do not have that money in your account <laughs> um yeah so we've okay. got two of them now we, he was he was a prison officer he was a financial advisor slash That's quite disparate already that's quite quite a change yep um office office copy copies the guys <laughs> in charge of copying things no he before all of those he was a teacher he oh, was a okay. science and maths teacher and then of course and this is kind of where we get into the meat of things of course he also took part in that greatest of british professions being a landlord oh of how silly of me i i know i guess i've been indoctrinated to the point where i don't see being a landlord as a job so i didn't think of it as a category that I could have well, thrown Hang on. Like, You're not saying they don't work I, hard. I No, I mean, that's the foolishness that I'm recognizing I see. Okay, in my okay, previous thank God. Yeah. cocked state. 
But yeah. now I recognize that it's it's possibly the only job worth it's, doing. Yeah, it's like the Ur job. Yeah. It's the oldest profession. <laughs> that's what they call it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. So he and his his wife, who worked in a doctor's surgery, mm-hmm. um, they they were doing the whole, you know, like TikTok landlords. There's that particularly yeah, oh, fuck. odious guy. That, He's that like, guy. you buy low, you rent high. Well, that, that guy. So much. They were doing that. That's what they were doing. And because they lived in like Durham. Yeah. Uh, and they were just buying cheap houses and then kind of renting them out for a lot. Um, and it's actually this that started the entire ordeal. Okay. Because they bought a couple of houses um, in a place called Seton Carew or Carew, <laughs> okay. which is like on sure. the Durham coast uh, for about £200,000. Right. Um, and then they just, they, they that was in like the, the year same. 2000. So- and they just could not, for some reason, they weren't renting them out very well oh, okay. and so they they were sort of swimming in debt they were which failing them, to be landlords yeah they sure. really really were even though they divided one of these properties up into 15 bedsits wow which i just don't understand how that's possible however it did make the entire ordeal very very possible and it was actually um that was 2000 that they they took out that mortgage and it was in 2002 that they started and indeed carried out mm-hmm. this process of john darwin faking his own death yeah which in hindsight we should have led with people who have no idea about this story oh this is yeah. about a man faking his own death i'll, I'll add it to the end at the beginning <laughs> so chapter two is the disappearance of john darwin mm-hmm. okay and i must regrettably inform you that on the 21st of march which was a thursday 2002, 51-year-old John Darwin was seen heading out to sea in a canoe. Yeah, now, that's the way one, you wanted to go. One of the, the low-key, funnier aspects of this story that I discovered is that actually what he was in was a kayak. Mm, he was okay. not in a canoe at all. Um, you but, shouldn't have a kayak but, on the sea, should you? But canoe man just... Boats. I don't think you're really supposed to do either of them that far out a, to sea. I, like, I'm no expert. I think you'd want a big boat a on ship. the sea. Because the sea is a huge guy. It's very, you very big. There's loads tiny of it. You little strip of boat with you. Last week, I think it might have been on the on the Patreon, you were, you were talking about how it's bigger than space. Yeah, that's many are saying this. Um, but yeah, I think there's just something really funny about the fact that they, like, they knew and they reported that it was a kayak. But, but canoe man is just funnier. Yeah. It's just a much funnier word. So, so like... Um, Another, like, another mental part of this is that he was, I mean, for me, this is what would have raised the alarm bells, is that he was seen he was heading out to sea. <laughs> That's huge. Hang he on. was seen walking home again. <laughs> he um, was seen paddling right back. <laughs> no, is that he was seen heading out to sea at 8 a.m. Right. Even though he had a night shift at like 9.30 that night. Mm. And I'm just like, what What were you doing? Like, why are yeah. you up paddling out He's to commuting. sea? Yeah, <laughs> he's commuting back to his job as a landlord, a coastal landlord. Um, this is this was during the prison officer stage, the oh, prison fair. officer slash landlord stage. Two two of our favourite careers. Right to Alcatraz, be. he had to sail there. So, like the best part of the canoe kayak thing is that um, they flag it like right at the very beginning. Uh, and again, like this guy, he works for the RNLI that we're about to hear from, Mister mm-hmm. Camish. He um, that's the lifeboats gang. He says within. Within two sentences, he just switches from kayak to canoe. I think it's just some kind of deep-seated kind of British instinct for what would make the funniest headline. Because it wasn't even news. Like, he was the guy reporting for the first ever story about this. And he says, at 1.15 a.m., a a double-ended paddle used by people in this kind of kayak was retrieved from the sea near North Gare, not too far from Seaton Carew. If a canoeist loses his oar and cannot retrieve it, he is at the mercy of the sea. Canoeist uh, is so, like if I worked for the RNLI and I had to be their press officer for briefing when people had died, like you would yeah. want to get the word canoeist into as many things. <laughs> really so fun. That it, they have to put it in his obituary. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until the eighth of May that the actual wreckage turned up on a beach, by which yeah. time he was obviously already presumed dead. Fish and food. Indeed had been pronounced dead. Um, there was one incredible quote um, from, from the article where they, uh, where they reported this, which is that Inspector Martin Cook of Hartlepool Police today confirmed that Mr. Darwin's family had attended to examine the canoe. He, he added, it was in two or three parts. The family have attended. There's no sign of Mr. Darwin. Like, really <laughs> like- <laughs> What? We got the family. We got the family in to check, and they've had a look at the two yeah. or three parts, and, and they've said under the first, the second, <laughs> or get this, the third. They couldn't find him anywhere. Wow. Um, 
two you know, or d- three is really funny as yeah. well. Like, <laughs> it's such a small number that you would know. If it were in two parts, yeah. that would be that would be news almost. Well, you say it's broken in half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've got a whole term for that. Yeah. Um, police kind of incompetence, you wouldn't believe it, is something of a running theme mm. in this story. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, it, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Um, so we we flagged up some irregularities, but you know, at the time, it seemed at this point to be a pretty and he open didn't have and previous, shut. Previous, right? He'd never, you know, no. gone canoeing to. Get, he, he wasn't doing this all the time. He'd never like, faked his death him, before. You'd catch he'd him never just, done like, it before. Yeah, at funny. He'd say something a bit embarrassing and then be like out the window, <laughs> off to go and fake. Never it. before. Yeah. In fact, um, a, a quote that I didn't end up including, but am now. <laughs> um, is that when the sort of trial was happening mm-hmm. years down the line, um, one of the arguments that his lawyer used was, yeah, but for 51 years, he was a perfectly law-abiding <laughs> citizen. Never his death. <laughs> Apart from that one time, we all get, we all get a freebie. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, it seemed like an open and shut case of man lost at sea, leaving behind a grieving widow and, and regrettably two sons. Hmm. Was, was there any, and maybe you'll come to this, but like, it's quite a strange. Was he a frequent canoeer? That would be my first. Sorry, canoeist. Well, that'd be a first I, line so of inquiry. I didn't actually find that out, but there is a, a kind of adjacent fact coming up later on okay. that implies that maybe they were. And if they were not, then the later fact is the, the one of the greatest piss takes cool. of all time. Cool, cool, cool. Um, chapter three is life without John. Um, so there's not loads obviously here because a lot of this is kind of told in hindsight because when you're dead. Uh, or mm. presumed so, you don't tend to be in the news unless, True. you know, you're a sort of Savile-esque figure or McCann. Yeah. Um, what we do know is this, that a death certificate was issued for him in February of 2003. So that's even before the canoe turns up. Yeah. Um, and this, weirdly, this was allowed Anne Darwin to claim £250,000 of life insurance, um, as well as about... 85 grand in various pensions. Wow. Um, and that, that meant they could pay off the £130,000 mortgage oh, on the properties good. that they had, which is good. good. That is good. All the while, instead of being dead, um, John Darwin was living literally at home. <laughs> um, the one place they never thought to check. So what, what it was is that they owned these two properties that were next door to each other, mm-hmm. and they'd knocked through a wall behind a wardrobe. So mm-hmm. he would just live in the house next door. And then when like it became nighttime, he would crawl out of the wardrobe back wow, into really his cool. own bedroom with his wife, like a sort of reverse and shit version of Narnia. Yeah. Like a sort um, of death faking Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it didn't, unfortunately take him very long to get bored of, um, of I bet it was home. two days. Cause like that wardrobe thing seems like it's a good idea on paper, but the actual practicalities of lugging a wardrobe every day, like moving it out and pulling it back or like, climbing no, 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 through the no, clothes. no, no. There was a hole in the back of the wardrobe. Either way. I just think <laughs> like, it's one of those things where you'd be like, what's the risk? What's the benefit? If no yeah. one's checking, we may like, we may as well. I reckon it lasted three days. Max. Really, really no time at all. Um, and what he decided was that he would just sort of go for walks. Uh, he yeah. would just go for walks out and about. And it was during one such excursion, again, less than a month or so after he was declared dead, that he bumped into one of his former tenants, leading to what I'm going to call one of the most British exchanges ever recounted in media. Yeah, A former tenant revealed he had bumped into Mr. Darwin in 2003 on the stairs of the block of bedsit flats the Darwins owned, next door to their marital home in Seton Carew. Lee Wadrup said he had recognised Mr. Darwin and asked him, aren't you supposed to be dead? To which Mr. Darwin replied, don't tell anyone about this. Oh my God. (laughs) Then Mr. Wadrup had not told the police because he said, and I quote, he did not want to get involved. Yeah, fair (laughs) enough. Which is such an amazing thing to to say. He's supposed to be dead. Do not tell anyone about this. Sure. And the guy Why was are you like, not going to blackmail okay. this guy straight away? I know. Be on that. He's like your ex-landlord. Yeah, Why the fuck are you not dream. doing that? So, like, they were clearly looking for ways that they could, you know, leave Seton Carew and, and possibly... Not very hard. But- <laughs> they could have left before doing this. Well, you see, the thing is, is that they didn't want to just go to another part of the country. They wanted to move abroad. Oh, right. Um, and um, so what they did is they started to try and get some new identities for John. Um, why didn't they, they fake his death abroad? Like, <laughs> why Why not go first? Did they not think about how difficult it would be to do this part of it? 
Um, very stupid. No, no. Yeah, they, they really, really are. They are incredibly stupid. And we're going to find out so many more ways in which they are. Cool. But, but like, this is the part that's kind of most amazing is that the, the police just truly, like, cannot have given one single fuck. No. Because if you had, if you had wanted to find him, all you had to do was go to his home. It was like Bin Laden. <laughs> like, yeah. like, we spent all these years looking and he was just at home, like in his house. He was inside us all. He, so they started to get false passports and identities for him, right? But they, all without fail still use the name John <laughs> and and they all still used his actual home address wow clever so uh one of them was John Jones which incidentally was the name of a dead child they were aware of that he oh, used cool. to get that passport and somewhat less dramatically uh, a library card <laughs> which is just such a great like why are you taking that risk like to I know get, it's not a huge risk but for what the, purpose the next, like <laughs> fucking james patterson novel out yeah so he he was also doing trips abroad with these uh passports and he'd grown a, a huge beard as well Mad as, a, that's as so a classic easy. disguise yeah i know it, it it honestly it's just like it's such a throwaway line in all the articles about it they're like oh and by the way he got some yeah, fake passports documents worked um and at one point he like went he went to america to visit like a woman he'd just been chatting to online and then just oh, came no. back. Then yeah. he went to Gibraltar to to try and buy like is it it's called like a catamaran, is it? Like one of those yeah. boats that you could go around the sea go go around the sea on, <laughs> go <boat>. around <laughs> <laughs> go around the it's world cold. on. Yeah. Um and it said um Do you want to Robert, Robert Hopkin, a boat dealer who was handling the sale, said, I never guessed he could be hiding such a secret. Looking back now, he did act suspiciously, but he called himself Jones and had a passport to prove it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so yeah, so like detectives then kind of were piecing, piecing together his life from the John Jones thing when that got revealed. Mm -hmm. Um, and as like a quick kind of flash forward, there were like loads of people suddenly when they said that, like had possible sightings of him over the, over the past five years in like Europe, North America, South America. And a police source at the time said, we've got calls coming in from across the globe. God only knows where he's been. (laughs) (laughs) He's never travelled more. Uh, yeah. Like, why did he not do this when he was? <laughs> I know, not pretending to be dead. He re- he really seems to have done nothing. Like while he was alive, and then all of this happened afterwards. It's like you can imagine a, a film being made of it, but like framing it as like this is all a good thing that this happened. It's like yeah, you don't know you're alive until, until. you're dead. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Darwin to Jones. <laughs> yeah. In March of 2006, uh, he participated in one of the greatest British activities of all time, which is Dog. signing an objection to one of his neighbours' requests for planning permission. In the name he, of John Jones. No, he used he used a different name, but right. as you may well know, you have to use, your guess what, religious. your home address to do so. Hell. And again, no one, no what one flagged wrong with it. this guy? By November 2007, their plan was that they had they were going to sell the family home and they were going to move out to the not at all uh, attention drawing or conspicuous location of Panama. Very cool. um, so um, by Nove- by the end of November, they had sold that home and they'd moved out to Panama City. Even more unbelievably, they purchased a plot of land near the Panama Canal for two hundred thousand pounds with the intention of opening a resort where people could take canoeing holidays. <laughs> That's amazing. Learn from the best. Yeah. It's like such an incredible... Your canoe will end up in two or three pieces. If this were sort of like a Tinder Swindler style documentary, I would assume that this was a sort of brazen little like, fuck you to the police. But I honestly just think that they were stupid enough to go... I think you just like canoes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he missed it. Like yeah. he hadn't been able to go out since he faked his death doing it because he to his be, canoe was in his canoe slash yeah. kayak was in two to three pieces. To my mind, the canoe would be like the only place that he should have been able to go, like because <laughs> sea folk are already very superstitious, and if you saw a man who you knew from the news to be dead paddling a canoe, yeah, especially if he'd grown a big haggard-looking beard and looked like he crawled through a wardrobe <laughs> twice a day, then you'd just be like, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Bad uh, if he's just walking down canoe. the street, <laughs> then it doesn't have any of the ghostly gravitas. Yeah, yeah. Seafarers much more likely to become ghosts than, say, landlords yeah, or prison exactly. officers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it seemed to be that it was their plan to like live out the rest of their lives in, in the Panamanian sun. 
Mm-hmm. Um, however, they were brought to their knees by what I'm going to call, you know, hesitantly, but but with great belief, the two greatest forces known to man, especially here in Britain, and those are bureaucracy and a single mum. Mm. Which is how we enter chapter four, the Durham Lazarus. Wow. Okay. Now they say Isaac, and you'll know this because you're yeah, something of a things. you're something of a mentalist yourself, as aren't you? People say it. People say that that the key to a good lie is not to oversell it. True. If you've got like too much extraneous detail, if you kind of know too much about the lie, yeah. it kind of looks a little bit too rehearsed, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So. I think it was probably likely that John Darwin had heard this advice, and it's for this reason that at 5.30 p.m. on <gasps> December 1st, 2007, <gasps> indeed. Oh, my God, what was I doing? Now, I, now, really 50, <laughs> now 57 years of age, he walked into a London police station and boldly announced, I think I am a missing person. <laughs> wow. I <laughs> Which, think I am. <laughs> Which, again, he said, I think I am, because his big claim and his huge plan was to say that he had amnesia and could not remember any events of the last seven years. Wow. That's such an interesting statement to make that you think you're a missing person. It's like, by saying it, you are almost making it true. Like, if you think you're missing, then I feel like you are. (laughs) You possibly are. I think, therefore, I am a missing person. (laughs) (laughs) I think I am a missing I'm, bracket. I'm <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, but it's also one of those things that by saying it, you sort of draw attention to the fact that you kind of do know what's yeah. been going on. Like if you did not remember, you just sort of wander in and go, I'm really lost. Like, please help me. Yeah. Not by the way, I, I think you might see me in the news. <laughs> I'm amazed at the, the brazenness. I'm amazed at, like nothing about what we've learned of John so far implies that there's been a lot of forethought in any of these actions, but no. to go in and, you know, this is like a turning point in his story and in his life, the preparation that they must've done for like, right, what are we going to say? Let's rehearse it. We mm-hmm. need to, obviously they're going to be able to trace the, this, this, and this. We need to have a good reason why those things happened. Like I'm imagining that the, the, where the tale he's about to spin is, is just incredibly complex and, and well planned and precise. You, you're you're exactly right. Perfect. Okay? You're, you're exactly right. Like Ocean's um, Eleven ship. Exactly. In fact, one of the one of the titles that I thought of having for one of these chapters at one point was Ocean's Two because mm. of this kind of like the power of of the heist that they had. And the pieces of the canoe, maybe. Yeah. What what I'll do is I'll, I'll actually draw from something I was going to say later, just because you, you've brought it up, like this idea of you know getting getting to the heart of the matter. Um, what what they had planned, right, was that they had to do this because they they knew they were about to get caught because yeah. they'd uh, and they got caught again in in much like Al it wasn't Capone just before them. Around all the time, was it? <laughs> no, it was none of the wandering around. It was none of the using dead babies to get passports. It was that he'd applied for a Panamanian investors visa, mm. which they then suddenly changed the law on. Which meant that you had to go you have through. Have to be alive. You had to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, buddy. Oh. <laughs> Hate to kick this back. Um, no, it meant that that their identities were going to go through a, an even more rigorous yeah. background check, and they no, were going to fail on the British side. Which I noted here, like it's good to know that it's harder to get an investor's visa in famous tax haven Panama than it is to get a passport yeah. in the UK. Very cool. Um, so they had they they decided that they had to do something. Police subsequently discovered a file on their computers. "Quote: the, dis- the sophisticated deception is mapped out in a in a in a spreadsheet called Grand Plan, emailed <laughs> emailed from Mister Darwin to his wife on August thirtieth, two thousand seven, three months Amazing. before he turned up at a police station. Green arrows depicted the best possible path. Red arrows show the worst. That's amazing! Oh my god! So basically, so the I they've got a flowchart. <laughs> yeah. So like the idea was that." Um, Basically, he wanted to come back, feign the memory loss, pass a police check, get his real passport and license, and then just go back to Anne in Panama under his real name and then get the visa. You can see um, sort of why he thought this might work. Because well, like, again, if everything yeah. so far has been just completely fine, like you, 
you would think you you would just take the state to be the stupidest, most easily tricked fuckers on the planet. You'd be like, yeah, this would probably be fine. I, my li- my literal note says dumb plan all told, but you can't really blame him for thinking he'd get away with yeah, it at this point. He's been like positively reinforced so many there was times. A, there was a quote from the uh, the the Telegraph article about this that said, "But not for the first time, Darwin's scheme was half baked, as he had no way of explaining to police what he had been doing for the previous five years." Oh no, no way at all. I, know, <laughs> yeah. I just thought in a document called Grand Plan that would feature at least as a subheading no, somewhere. It, it turns out that, unfortunately, instead, he just said he thought he would get away with saying, I don't remember any of it. Anyway, can I go home now, please? Um, so, yeah, so he did that. He claimed to have amnesia, and he sp- said specifically that he couldn't remember anything since a family holiday to Norway in 2000. Mm-hmm. So, like, which, again, I, I kind of appreciate. It's a bit like sometimes what happens is the kids at school will tell a, a lie, and they do that thing of, of sort of trying to sow a seed to make it sound a little bit more plausible. Mm-hmm. where they'll they're like they'll answer two questions of the homework and then they'll say like oh but but unfortunately like as you can see i was going to do it but then blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and here it's like he didn't just go for the so i was in this canoe and then here i am <laughs> like he was like he went back just a little bit further a little bit yeah further. yeah no it's clever it's smart um initially the the story in the news uh, was one of like just total jubilation. There was the next day there was an emotional reunion between Darwin and his sons. We got a bank holiday, I seem to remember. Uh, yeah. And the news, parties. the newspapers were filled with like joyous quotes from family members. Uh, one one notably more muted quotation came from his dad, Ronald. <laughs> this was a, this is the quote from the Guardian at the time. Darwin's 90-year-old father, Ronald, of Blackhall Colliery, County Durham, was too ill to speak about his son today. Quote, I don't want to have any more strokes, he said. Wow. (laughs) Earlier, yeah, earlier he told the Evening Standard newspaper, I always said to the police that there might be more to it than first appeared. When his canoe was found, but he wasn't, it didn't seem right. (laughs) Uh, like no, hmm. I can't agree with you there. <laughs> no. That's not that's not the whole that's, of this story. That's not how that's not how being lost. Most at sea people works. don't die at at sea incidentally uh, to being on the ocean. <laughs> yeah, he was lost at sea, by which I mean he had a heart attack in a boat and is now yeah. floating forever. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're lost at sea, like the kind of lost bit is normally part yeah. of that element. Like you don't die at sea and then just stick in your normally two or lost three part in canoe. rather than on. <laughs> yeah. Um, Obviously, like word reaches Anne in Panama that John's turned up, and oh, she, she must be thrilled, is she? She was. She played the part, surprised and delighted. And if, if anything, on that day, it seemed to be the perfect story. Yeah. Um, this is where we enter Chapter Five, which I've called the Darwin's Award. Um, nice. So, uh, the police were understandably, although <laughs> I suppose given their their level of interest so far, it, it wasn't guaranteed. Mm. They were understandably a little bit suspicious it's probably the memory thing isn't it really yeah that's probably the bit where you're like N- i know that's mm, not true it's yeah, not true that probably, you don't remember anything it's probably false that, how did <laughs> that you, you just conveniently the police were <laughs> like, yeah how did you remember to come here oh, yeah, like he could he gave them his name his date of birth yeah. his like previous addresses it was just it was just that small thing of the five and a half years in which yeah. he'd Doing insurance for your remember. I know it's mad. It's mad. Um, for instance, they, they they actually had been investigating him for a few months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the investigation started up again because in like September of that year, they'd received a tip from one of his wife's colleagues. This was sort of like a couple months before they moved to Panama, saying that she kept like taking a, a like an unusual number of whispered phone calls <laughs> like, <laughs> just at her desk. Um, oh my god! I know. Fucking hell! Put like text messages existed at this point. Yeah, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Long ago. No, like, you don't need to be talking to your dead husband in it's a just, public place. It's so funny that like there was a quote from one of these articles, and it said something like um, that the person, the anonymous person who gave him the tip, said there was something about the the way that she was speaking that made it sound like the person she was talking to was dead, which is just like <laughs> a, a, just a fantastic house. Sus- I know, but again, <laughs> it's amazing that they were they were right, like in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, his own family didn't help much either. Um, Mr. Darwin's aunt, Margaret Burns, 80, tells the Evening Standard... He's this never is, died. I mean, pretty much, yes. Like, she said... This is such a great quote. Um, Most of the family believed that the trauma of nearly drowning was enough to make him lose his memory, but I'm not so sure. 
I'm a cynic now. To be honest, I don't believe he ever got wet. <laughs> <laughs> ever got wet in his fucking Just... life. I don't believe he's ever been on the sea. I mean, he knows what it is. I think he's seen the ocean. That's amazing. It's he's so... a landlord, not a sea lord. Simple. <laughs> they should have come to me. me. Should have come and asked me. I'd have told them so from day one. Um, so the police were suspicious, but they 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 didn't have yet any kind of concrete evidence That's that they weird, needed. Because they could have asked anyone who lived <laughs> anywhere near him. They have you have... seen this man at any point in the last? Part? Oh yes, every day. If they spoke to Mister Wadrup, <laughs> said, "Did you ever bump to your ex landlord on the stairs?" Oh, oh yeah, yeah but all the time. He's, sorry, he said he not to mention over. it, lads. <laughs> <laughs> um, so unfortunately. By just December 5th, just four days after his reappearance, that had all changed. And Mr. Darwin was arrested in in Hampshire. You've got to know that, like, the way that, you know, the way the economy was at this point, right? Are we Uh, pre-recession? Yeah, just about 2007. It's 2008. It's a crash. We're riding that bubble. I've got to imagine that some, like, enterprising production companies, at least one, were out there trying to option the rights to this feel good story of oh, 100% who goes missing and on December 1st Tom like, Hanks okay, was booked great right we're going to get yeah Hanks start growing that beard yeah have you been in a canoe yeah oh yeah you did cost was that kayak, a canoe? Was sorry that kayak kayak, yeah, kayak my yeah, mistake yeah. Uh, no you won't need Wilson for this one and then like December 4th they're like checking the news like, uh, about that whole <laughs> project um, we yeah. got, we've got a different direction it turns out it was all a lie <laughs> now we need to get film. We now Hanks has got to be out. He can't play He's the evil got, dude. He hasn't got a devious face. We've got to get like doesn't. get like Walken in to, yeah. to do it. Um, now, you, like you might be thinking, you know, well done, the old thin blue line. No, great I police wasn't. work. I wasn't. Great police work. <laughs> I was going to say never thought that. I, I know, and I was going to say if you are like, please do stop listening to the show. Yeah. Um, but in fact, the from the beginning, never solved a single crime in the history. Well, they don't solve crime. That's not yeah. really why they're there. Um. Uh, in fact, from the beginning, they didn't really know what to do, as we've clearly seen. Um, and they later claimed that had he not returned voluntarily to the country, they may never have found him. Oh, they never do anything about it. Mm. Um, indeed, the media were keen to point out that they had have been pretty much leading the investigation. Um, one of the the, the guy, um, Detective Inspector Hutchinson, asked whether the investigation was being led by the media. He said journalists had more quote latitude than the police. So the true. press. The press have certainly been providing us with a lot of information, he said. But That's the way it should be, yeah. As teased before, the kind of killer blow didn't come from the police or from the press. It came from one suspicious, anonymous, single mum with a gut mm-hmm. feeling and a broadband connection. Okay. And here I think, and I mean, there are a couple of other things. I mean, the, the document entitled Grand Plan, that, that's quite incriminating. That's there quite are very incriminating. Few, like, good, there are very few grand plans that are not evil in nature. Like yeah. you rarely are like, oh, I've got this grand plan, especially as a document. Like if, if I got an email with a grand plan PDF, I would assume it was about napalm. It, was, it probably wasn't a grand plan to like give money to the homeless. No. No. Um, so yeah, um, so that, like I say, there's lots of things that are very incriminating and there's lots of aspects that are particularly stupid. We are, however, going to to get now to what I, I'll comfortably call the stupidest part of it, uh-huh. right? Um, so it turned out that the, 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 the mum in question turned to the internet after becoming suspicious about the story, which had gripped the world's attention, and she admitted that her scepticism had paid dividends. This mum told the Mirror that the Darwins should be nominated for a, quote, world's dumbest award if only there were a name for that <laughs> well yeah but also the thing that's funny is that like the way that they they kind of like punctuated it in the article it made it sound like they should be nominated for the world's dumbest award not the world's <laughs> dumbest award yeah. um i'm a skeptic she said nobody can simply vanish in this day and age there has to be something <laughs> some wow. sign okay i like and, i love the inquiry of this yeah the, that that basic premise of reality of like there can be nothing without explanation that's a great yeah, way to live it's good and you may be thinking given all this like what kind of incredible snoopery did this unnamed yeah, hero what did it engage require? In? what did it you, take like did do you hacking, think hacking into their bank and yeah, checking the, maybe the transactions like, maybe going around and bribing all of the ex tenants yeah. and maybe she had sort of like access to state of the state of the art mobile gps tracking something yeah, like that or, a cyber heist of hitherto unseen deafness Mm -hmm. and i quote 
It was found by an anonymous woman after she typed the words John Ann Panama into Google, where there was a photo of the pair of them smiling together, no. available on the website movetopanama.com. <laughs> and I, I'm, have you got Messenger open? Because yeah. I'm, I'm sending you now the photo in question. Like, I'm which is certain just a it's going to. I will have seen this photo. It's going to like come back into my memory when I see it. Yeah, excited. it'll be like Sartre, and the... it's so good. It's on move to Panama.com. <laughs> like, honestly, so so good. As she says, and as you'll see, not only were they photographed, but the date was actually on the picture. <laughs> oh man, they she fucked it. She, she then forwarded the the picture to both Cleveland Police and the Mirror. She said when she was when she forwarded the picture to detectives, she was told, "You're joking." <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, you're, Which, pull the you other know, one. But, but this is the latitude that single mums have that the police don't. The yeah, police are not allowed well, they to. Use, they're not allowed to use Google to yeah. solve crimes. The police, they can't. They do have it. to use that fake one that's like spider searching. <laughs> spider searcher. So at this point, Anne was still out in Panama, uh, and a bunch of kind of plucky journalists confronted her uh-huh. about it um and um she said she kind of like a admitted straight oh, wow. away that it was them um but it did lead to uh, like uh, what i think is one of the greatest journalistic interactions of all time this mm-hmm. was a quote this was a bit i had never heard before because it was a quote that was kind of buried in an article that was had been kind of archived from a now dead news source mm-hmm. right um Mrs. Darwin, who emigrated to Panama six weeks ago, also told the Sun newspaper, I can't believe that picture of me and John has come out. When asked specifically how she would explain the photograph, she told the paper, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Which it is like gold. I won't now like, and I won't what queen. I will yeah. not explain the photograph and describe the situ- situation as a, quote, mess. You've got to double down at this point. You've got to say, I, yeah, that is a photo of me, I guess, but I don't remember that ever being taken. Like, yeah, well, I, I mean, if you I was not meant to be there, you may as well both run the memory grift. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, one of you being like, I start, don't, don't remember a thing. And the other one being like, well, uh, no, that definitely say, was us. We did I do think that. I'd start failing to remember things that were happening, like, moment to moment in front of me. Like, I'd keep, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, hello. Oh goodness! Like you just keep like, like resetting, like part of the ship, part of the crew. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of a you just know my really name. <laughs> um, so yeah, she was pretty much at that point, point kind of forced to return to England and be questioned Damn. also, which kind of turned out to be you wouldn't believe it a pretty futile process as both both of them have been described by almost everyone who's ever been involved with them in any way as compulsive liars. Oh, no, but very she, bad ones. She, yeah, she variously claimed, first of all, that the life insurance claim was in good faith. Mm-hmm. She thought he was dead uh, and had no idea that he was going to turn up ever again. Then she changed that to he did genuinely disappear, but turned up at her door 11 months later, and and, and that's when she found him again. Mm-hmm. Then she claimed she didn't have any knowledge of the plan whatsoever. Then she claimed that she knew all about the plan, but he was coercing her. Then it turned out that she was the one who booked his ticket from Panama back to Britain, and she claimed that it was because he was missing his sons. Um, but yeah, then it turned out actually it was because of the kind of visa laws in in Panama. Yeah. Um, as you can kind of imagine, um, the police were not their biggest fans. Um, well, they've made them look like mugs for they, yeah. half a decade. Yeah, they really have, and. Um, I suppose for that we can we could say congrats. I, to the it's Darwins. so close to being a story where I fully support them. Like ripping off insurance companies, great. Making the police yep. look like the fucking idiots that they are, great. Great. It's just the fact that they're scummy landlords to start yeah. with. It's like it couldn't have happened to to worse a less people. perfect victim. <laughs> um, and this is definitely a. Um, a view that came to be shared by the police initially they were a little bit more sympathetic towards her mm-hmm. um but then we get a quote and i mean you know uh you know that my stance our stance as a show is a cab sure. um, but i am going to make an exception for this one copper detective inspector andy greenwood who led the investigation said that when the police started looking into the case he initially thought the sons must have known about their parents plan mm-hmm. like they couldn't have pulled it off without them Turns out that they did. Um, but then he goes on to say this, which I think is one of the most, <laughs> it's like the most brutally honest I've ever heard a policeman be about someone he was investigating. It says, but the more we investigated it, the more we realized that they did not know. 
they'd gone through a particularly horrendous sequence of events. For her to say, I had to go along with it because John told me, I just don't know how any mother could do that. She was out and out despicable, and I don't have the time of day for her. Wow, fucking <laughs> on on the defendant left, right, and centre. It's so good. Like talk about like influencing a out jury or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, she was gone. And she, uh, fuck herself. I wouldn't oh, fucking on that canoe. I wouldn't kick her if she was shit on the bottom of my shoe. It's amazing. Um, we're going to move into the the final chapter now, mm-hmm. which I've called Chapter Six: History Often Rhymes. Um, now, like the the actual details of their trials are kind of sparse and a bit like underwhelming but suffice it to say you wouldn't believe they both did end up going to to prison i know i know um the funny thing (laughs) the funny thing is that he was sentenced to six years and three months and she got six years and six months (laughs) which which is like like was some kind of weird quirk about the actual crimes that each had committed and like whose name was on the stuff but like it's just very funny to me that she got like three months more i think that she got three months more because Everyone was fucking sick of all her lying. They're <laughs> just like, yeah, fuck's just sake. Like, they put her in three months early. Yeah. <laughs> for the court like, you can't listen to that. They actually let her out three months after him. I think it was, they both got out in 2011, but he was out in like Jan and she got out in April. So they're free today if they're they, alive. They, they, they are indeed. And that's, that, we'll come to that in just a second. Okay. <laughs> um, so they had to pay back all the money and assets. And as of 2014, they had none left to speak of. They pay back over like half a million pounds. Wow. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the romance itself between them after 38 years of marriage did come to an end. No, oh, that's sad. Yeah. After seeing a psychiatrist while she was in prison, she decided to, to divorce John Darwin. Damn. Um, since she's been released, she's given quite a few TV interviews and released a book about what's happened. Mm-hmm. So she has kind of gone the McCann route, you yeah. could say. Um, okay. She's also the only one who's still in touch with their sons. They've sort of forgiven her. Uh, unlike the Weird. court. That's that's wild. But you, they you wouldn't but, <laughs> No, <Not laughs> simply possible. would not. Um but they, they haven't forgiven John. Now, John, he's had a more colourful time of it since leaving prison. I would strongly you bet he's DJing like at club nights for freshers and shit like that. I'm so I'm so so glad. I'm so glad that somehow you've managed to miss this story because it's gonna make this oh, just I'm the, so the greatest greatest little doing. reveal. John, yeah. So, in, well, in 2013, just two years after he got out, he he broke the terms on his parole by going on a date with a Ukrainian woman who was 37 years younger than him, oh who he met God. on a website for women to meet rich older men. Is he, he apparently, a rich old man? I thought he had to give all his well, money back. To well, the this state. is the thing. Well, this is the thing. Insurance he, company. He apparently told her that he had over 240 women who wanted to meet him which is such a specific number. That's so strange. In return, she told him that she had no interest in ever seeing him again. <laughs> so uh, so that didn't work That's out. That's very good. Um, he later moved to the Philippines, oh, where he, he did actually remarry, and uh, and he met his current wife, Mercy May. Uh, cool. And this is kind of where we, where we do come to, to the final revolution, or revelation, I should say, of the saga, um, which is the question on everyone's lips. Yours, the listeners. It was even mm. on, on mine. Which is Declan? Why are you bringing all of this up now? Why? Oh. Why dredge up the past? You know, is it is it because of the upcoming ITV drama about the Darwins, starring there... huge cunt and Corbin Libeler, Eddie Marson? No way. It's not. It's not for that reason. No, oh, it's dear. not. It's because of an article from the Daily Mirror published just three days ago on the twenty fourth of March, twenty twenty two, with the headline. Canoe man John Darwin, quote, on his way to fight in Ukraine, oh. according to his wife. <laughs> no, he's That's not. right. He's off, to Ukraine. he's off to the Ukraine he's still to join the old Azov battalion <laughs> and take on the Ruskies. But why, Declan? Why would 71-year-old John Darwin what make such a decision? He's going to teach them all to play dead. <laughs> what could... <laughs> What could possess a man in his position to make such a ludicrous decision? Well, perhaps we could find some answers, Isaac, in a quotation from the Mirror article, which I think is is a perfect line to kind of round out the story on. And it's a quote here uh, from his new wife. Mm -hmm. 
In a series of bizarre messages, his second wife, Mercy May Avila Darwin, 48, claimed John, who faked his own death at sea in 2002, would find... I would always refer to him as that. Have you met my friend John, who faked his death? (laughs) You have to say it in the like terms and conditions voice, though. My friend John, who faked his own death at sea in 2002, (laughs) would fight the Russians in Ukraine. When asked about the danger, she added, yes, dangerous for the Russian when he shoot them. He will have bulletproof vest and good life insurance. Good for me. (laughs) That's right. He's doing doing the exact same thing. Ukraine is the new ocean. You heard it here first. He's canoeing on land. First of all, who in the name of God has given him life insurance? Yeah, that can't can't be right. (laughs) Like, they must be paying a premium of like, like <laughs> more than that you could ever possibly extract from this policy. Like you know, there are so many things that will have you precluded from having life insurance, and I think possibly the first one on the list is like, have you ever actively defrauded? <laughs> you have okay, probably yeah. no more life insurance for you. Okay, that that will count against you, but let's yeah. let's see how the rest let's of put the it form... into the machine. Oh, it's yeah. blown up. Oh, it's, it's fired me as well. Bad luck. <laughs> for even for even entertaining this <laughs> this notion, the whole branch has been closed down. John, you happy? <laughs> Off we so, all go. So yeah, that's um, amazing. So we're going to hear that he's died in the next couple of days. Oh, like almost certainly, we Possibly, will be finding like, out. If we just draw the episode out long enough, we'll get a like, breaking news tweet. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a little thing Dying saying, "Poor Dom, <laughs> faking his own death." <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing if, in the service of that's a good story, right? That's like a of tales of the unexpected thing. Someone who's faking their own death, dying, yeah. whilst trying well, to fake their own death. Well, like so, like I said, this this news story from the mirror was three days ago, mm-hmm. um, but there was another story today. It was published in a couple of places, but unfortunately, those two places were the Daily Mail and GB News. So I, I didn't, oh, I didn't open them up. Um, but that basically, that the the memoir reveals that he almost did die during the initial like faking of his own death. That it was what? like so dark that he nearly died in the canoe. <laughs> but he didn't. If it was so dark, he didn't need to go on it. He didn't need to actually do that bit. He that needed to be seen. He needed to be seen heading out. But no one's. Yeah, he could have just gone to the beach and sat in the canoe and gone <laughs> ten yards out. And sat just there. like. Going to someone just going, I'm I'm gonna get in my canoe now. <laughs> Truly no one like at no point in the story do I remember eyewitnesses being an important part of like there was, oh, it was, was literally the very leaving. first detail was like he was seen leaving at like eight AM. Yeah. And then leaving once out, you've to, left, out to sea. Once you've left out yeah. to sea, what he just did sail is, all the way back round. I think he, he tried to go out and then come back to a pier and then like there was a bit of mist and then he lost the pier and then was That's completely crazy. lost in terms of direction. Stupid Which like John. I imagine Stupid like alive I, John. <laughs> Just think of like imagining Anne like waiting for him at the point where they were supposed to meet, just being like, oh, um... "That's a weird one." <laughs> oh, well, yeah, because like fifty thousand will fix that. Yeah, it turned out. It turns out like, despite all her claims of you know how long it took for him to reappear and like reveal the whole scheme, that actually she just went and picked him up in the car and dropped him Amazing. off somewhere else <laughs> immediately afterwards. So good. Wow, well, what an amazing grift and what a tale of twists and turns like the waves of the ocean that John was on for mere moments before <laughs> sadly sadly dying. As um, as before, as his aunt as his aunt said, he didn't get wet. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I guess we'll have to now keep an eye out for any updates. That's sort of, you know, part of our journalistic contract is that yeah. you've said that for the rest of your life you'll always tell us if he's alive or not on every I, episode. That's it. I'm your Maybe it's a new feature. I'm your resident Darwin yeah. Darwin. Canoe corner we could have. Oh, There's yeah. probably some fan theory that could emerge that that john darwin and john darkins are the same person as well that i like kept it was so hard for me not to say darkins yeah, for so he's, much he's of our john isn't he at the end yeah he, he's always he'll always be our number He'd one john never do that either. i, That's one I am things. constantly searching twitter to see if he's back anywhere yeah. maybe well, he's definitely unlike he's, john he is he's dead, dead. <laughs> he is <laughs> as dead as anyone <laughs> No, like some of the most natural causes that well, were killing old weird men. The the thing is, is that you, the thing you know about Darkins is he wouldn't ever go anywhere foreign. 
That's so true, like yeah. he would still he he very much did yeah. live in his own wardrobe. That's true. I'm fairly he certain. Died on a canoe in a in a pool in his own. <laughs> it's a very upsetting story. Well, look, thanks for for filling us in, and That's I look right. forward to I look forward to hearing what life has in store for John next. He's he's an ever changing character in some ways, and in other ways, just doing the same grift it, yeah, again. Just- <laughs> same grift, different different landmass two decades on who knows like he's got new opportunities for death making yeah he would have had plenty of time in prison to plan the sequel and i imagine it's going to be full of twists and turns it'll be like the widler in the new batman this time Um, this time he probably won't agree to be photographed for a real estate website yeah move to (laughs) ukraine.com he's he's gonna uh, like ask very politely if they'll take the the photos down that he took yeah (laughs) sorry sorry i just i completely oh i keep doing this i completely forgot Um, if you could just yeah, just nip just, that one in the bar. It's fine. Just you don't have to delete it. Just sort of crop me. Like half the face is fine. No one recognizes. Yeah, or or like if anyone asked you doing some sort of weekend at Bernie's thing, I was dead. <laughs> You're just sort of propping yeah. me up for the for all time's sake. Um, look, that has been an episode of That's a Shame, and it and it's been one of our of our investigative ones. You know, these come every so often. We've got big stories to tell and to share, and let let's just say it. You're welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> you you really are free content now if you're sitting there ashamed of yourself that you just ingested all of this for and given us nothing in return then let me tell you there are ways to fix you don't have to you You don't don't have have to to. you can allay that guilty conscience quiet the jiminy cricket in your soul from kicking off with a a weird voiced song um by popping over to shame.city slash review and leaving us a lovely five-star review doesn't cost you anything but your precious finite time and share some of that with us, won't you? We'd appreciate that. It does something for the show. Nothing much, but it probably does something a little bit nice. We've also got a Patreon over at patreon.com slash shame city. We do have that. The content has been popping off. There's no two ways about it. We've got this brand new show, Cups. Um, we're two episodes in. We're recording a third today. And they go up kind of weekly at the moment. I don't know if it will always be weekly, but at the moment it is. So enjoy that while it lasts. And for $5 a month, which is what? Like $1.25 an episode. That's nothing. Um, yeah, it helps us out in a big way. What else have we got going on, Delk? We've got a Discord, haven't we? Oh, yeah. We've got I've a Discord over at, dis- at shame.city slash Discord. That's yeah, where you can find that. And there's all sorts of people over there sharing yeah. all sorts of things. And if you do that, then what will happen is you get a little notif. Mm. it pops up on your phone if you've got those enabled as obviously you would for our discord even though for some reason i don't um you get a little notification every time we go live over at shame.city slash twitch where oh there's been all manner of 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 streaming going on it's crazy monday to thursday 9 p.m is our usual schedule and it's been it's been fun we're pretty consistent these days um it's been crazy crazy productive has Last of all, Big Bad Books is our other show. Uh, Shameless Books, I think, is, is where you can find it. Or just search Big Bad Books wherever you get podcasts. Good stuff. We're going through Ready Player Two, one chapter at a time, and it is very well. It's very as, good. as the as the title of the show suggests. It's big. It's a, it's it books. is a book. <laughs> we'll uh, leave the rest to you. Thanks for tuning in. Until the next episode, I've been Isaac. You've been me. I've been Declan. And we'll see you on the high seas. Stay safe, guys. Look for the bare necessities, simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strides. I mean the bare necessities, oh Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I Some honey just for me The bare necessities of life Will come to you
trees The simple bare necessities Forget about your worries and your strife I mean the bare necessities Oh, Mother Nature's recipes That bring the bare necessities of life Wherever I wander Wherever I wander Necessities of life will come to you. 